0: You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm Alexis Kenyon. It is Thursday, November 24th. Happy Thanksgiving. Coming up on today's program, over the past year, KGNU has been collaborating with contributors and independent producers across the region to take a closer look at waste what it is, how it's created, and where it goes. Today, we are going to listen to some of our favorite stories from this series. Up first, we investigate how food-related businesses have reinstated Boulder's zero-waste ordinances since a break during COVID. Restaurants, grocery stores, coffee shops, and almost all other businesses involved with food are supposed to be doing their part to reduce waste. Sam Fuqua reports.
1: Visitors to Boulder's Pearl Street Pedestrian Mall can find a trio of trash cans along the length of the walkway. One for compost, another for recyclables, and the last for landfill waste. It's part of a city effort to minimize trash under what's called the Universal Zero Waste Ordinance. Passed by the city council back in 2015, it has three parts. All property owners, residential and commercial, are required to subscribe to separate collection services for trash, recyclables, and compost. Another part of the ordinance sets zero waste rules for special events. And finally, the ordinance sets a number of requirements for any business that deals with food. There are close to 400 of those in the city.
2: Business owners are required to provide separated collection systems within their businesses um, for the three separated waste streams, compostable materials, recycling and trash.
1: Sandy Briggs is a sustainability program manager for the city. She oversees the business compliance with the ordinance. Briggs says businesses are also required to check in with the city every year via an online report
2: businesses are required to complete a zero waste reporting form which can be easily found on the universal zero waste ordinance website and other places um, that asks them to demonstrate through photos their um, compliant collection systems within their businesses that we can look at and ask a few other general questions about who their waste hauler is and whether they believe that uh, that service is adequate that they're receiving.
1: Over at Ozo Coffee on East Arapaho, the required bins are just inside the entrance. Ty Harrell is one of the managers for the local company. Harrell says the zero waste compliance and reporting rules are just two of many requirements businesses have to deal with, but it's part of being serious about sustainability as a company. It can
3: get hairy, I know, like every month with the amount of things that businesses have to keep track of and, and stay on top of, submitting things like that can be tough. Thankfully, though, it's kind of our our culture as a company. We do a pretty good job, I think, of of staying on top of those things.
1: But not all businesses are staying on top of it. Sandy Briggs from the city says that 138 restaurants and grocery stores submitted their zero-waste compliance form by the August 31st reporting deadline. That's a little more than one-third of the 384 food businesses in town. Briggs says there won't be any penalties right away for businesses that didn't file on time.
2: There'll be lots of reminders and there's lots of help and advising. Um, we much prefer to not enforce this and to actually just help people through consulting and advising to, to get it right. So no, there will not be any immediate fees or anything like that.
1: But the zero waste ordinance does say that businesses may receive fines for non compliance. That would be a last resort. The city partners with Boulder County's PACE program to help businesses move toward zero waste. PACE stands for Partners for a Clean Environment. And the city's Zero Waste website includes a handbook for businesses and training videos for employees in English and in Spanish. Businesses can also get free signs and compost bags to make things a little easier and reduce the amount of contaminated compost the city recently dropped the requirement that food businesses have a compost bin for their customers. They must still collect compost from their kitchens and behind the counters, but they only need to put two bins out front for customers, a recycle bin and a landfill bin. The two largest grocery store chains in Boulder, Safeway and King Supers, did not respond to interview requests for this story. But at one of the smallest food markets in town, the focus is on creating less waste up front. So there's less that needs to be recycled or composted. From a storefront on East Walnut, Nude Foods offers groceries and prepared food with almost no packaging. Rachel Irons is one of the co-founders.
4: It's much better to reuse things than to recycle them and use all the energy to break things down and then create another product that's usually of inferior quality.
1: So any product sold at Nude Foods that needs a container is in a glass jar. Or customers can bring their own receptacle. In addition to reducing waste, Iron says that approach can head off consumer confusion around what types of packaging can be recycled or composted.
4: There's a lot of wish cycling, as they call it, which is people don't want to feel guilty about throwing things away. So even if they're not sure if it can be recycled or composted, they're like, oh, I'll just throw it in there and someone will figure it out down the line. But they won't. (laughs) You're you're just making more problems. And it's better to just put it in the trash if you don't know where it's going.
1: Boulder's zero waste strategic plan sets a target of 85 percent waste diversion by 2025. Many neighboring cities have also set zero-waste goals. Fort Collins is a bit more ambitious than Boulder's, while Denver is aiming lower with a goal of 70% diversion by 2032. Boulder's current waste diversion is at 53%, a long way to go to get to the 85% goal in three years. For KGNU, I'm Sam Fuqua in Boulder.
0: you're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. The cannabis industry and its fans have a reputation for being tree huggers and earth lovers. Despite its green image, legal marijuana has a massive waste problem. But the industry's unique passion for the environment may motivate cannabis businesses to inspire changes in package norms well beyond the dispensary. As part of our as part of our Follow the Waste series, KG News Hannah Lee Myers reports.
5: Visit almost any dispensary, like the Starbuds in Louisville, and you'll end up standing in front of a massive assortment of multicolored containers.
0: Hi there, what can I get for you?
5: Edibles, joints, flour, vapes, and concentrates, all sold in uniquely designed packaging made of all sorts of materials. Considering Colorado is predicted to sell around $1.8 billion of marijuana products this year, and that's a three-year low, the amount of these containers going out dispensary doors across the state is pretty staggering.
4: There's a tremendous amount of waste in this industry. Tremendous amount.
5: That's Bob Wahden, store director at the Louisville Starbuds. According to the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, In 2019, the cannabis industry was producing around 7.3 million pounds of marijuana plant waste per year. The year before, Denver officials found cannabis grow operations accounted for 4% of the city's overall electricity use. But when Wadden says there is tremendous waste in the marijuana industry, he isn't even specifically referencing any part of that plant or energy waste. He's just talking about packaging packaging that at least in Canada and possibly in the U.S. is outpacing the sale of actual cannabis products per gram.
1: Just thinking about how many joints are sold in, in, in the state every day. You know, we're constantly buying
6: these cases of 600-900 units of tubes. Do, they're called dupe tubes. And it's a waste. It's a big waste in this industry. And the, where, where are those tubes going?
1: We're not reusing them. Obviously we do it for the right reasons for safety, right? There's got to be a better way.
5: Wana Brands, based in Boulder, is likely the largest edibles manufacturer in North America. And they are trying to find a better way.
7: We as Wanna are, are dedicated to leaving this earth as best we can. Joe
5: Hodis, chief marketing officer for Wana Brands, says one way they're doing that is with special packaging, designed by a company called Calix Containers. According to the Calix website, an organic additive that attracts microbes helps to accelerate the degradation of their containers in biologically active landfills.
7: This is one of the newer products we just launched. It's our live rosin gummies. Um, but you can see on the bottom.
5: Calixcontainers.com patents. Please recycle. But ask recycling center leadership like Marty Mage, deputy director at EcoCycle in Boulder, about those accelerated degradation containers. <sighs> Clearly, we have a, um, a vendor who is really trying to do the right thing. And you'll likely be met with a sigh of disappointment. Mache and other recyclers have serious concerns about containers like these and others
4: they categorize as bioplastics. When you landfill them or if they become litter, biodegradable plastics will eventually quote-unquote biodegrade in that they will break down and seemingly go away and disappear, which might sound great. But now we've introduced an even greater polluting threat to the environment because while the plant-based polymers biodegraded and disappeared, the petroleum-based elements didn't biodegrade. They're still there and are now microscopic microplastics.
5: Mage says humans can end up inhaling, consuming, or otherwise absorbing these microplastics. Calyx Containers distances their product from biodegradable plastics. The company claims their product breaks down into a biomass, not microplastics. However, EcoCycle's Mage adds that plastic recyclers are often reluctant to repurpose biodegradable and any bioinfused plastics, Because they're designed to be less durable than traditional
4: petroleum based plastics. So, then if we recycle biodegradable plastics, there is a concern that the Sustainable Product Coalition has and other plastic recyclers have that biodegradable plastics are purposely designed to be less durable than traditional petroleum based plastics. So, they have the potential to weaken the structural integrity of new recycled plastics. So while it sounds like a great idea, biodegradable plastics that use both plant-based and petroleum-based polymers really aren't better for the environment or for recycling. And in fact, they might be worse for both. Joe Hodis says Juana
5: is trusting Calix to take on the heavy lift of staying in touch with what recycling experts suggest for eco-friendly containers. Juana is pretty busy keeping up with the massive amount of regulation in the cannabis industry. Regulation, HOTUS says, is also a major contributor to the waste problem.
7: Each state tends to like to mess with the regulations on a regular basis. So when we have the artwork that has, let's say, fruit on it, and a state says, well, we've decided that fruit is not a picture that we can have on on the packaging, well, suddenly we're we're holding, you know, 50,000 units that already have fruit on it. Um, That's where a lot of the waste in this industry comes into play, is every time there's a change to regulation, WANA and every other manufacturer out there probably has a lot of packaging that's already been built, and a lot of that ends up going to waste. And that's a real, real problem. So
5: while marijuana companies try to comply with regulations requiring everything from child-safe seals to containers you can't see into, it seems cannabis companies may be unknowingly producing millions of pounds of packaging unsuitable for single-stream recycling. And that's where companies like Green for Green come in.
6: We've captured roughly about 25 tons of plastic and that's like specifically plastic Um, and then there's also glass which weighs a lot more.
5: Sean Naughton is founder of Green for Green, a company that puts receptacles in dispensaries where consumers can dump their various cannabis containers. The Green for Green team then sorts through those containers and determines what's trash, what's only suitable for repurposing into something else, and what can be reused.
6: We created a proprietary process that removes the labels, then we clean them, sanitize them, rebox, and put back into the market.
5: But Green for Green, EcoCycle, and Wana Brands all seem to agree with something Bob Wadden from Starbud's dispensary said earlier.
1: There's got to be a better
5: way. Two ideas come up again and again. Either creating a set of standardized, regulator-approved containers of various sizes designed for optimal recyclability and or going for the zero-waste gold standard, reusable personal containers, likely made of glass, which is infinitely recyclable, that cannabis users can get refilled at the dispensary. Both ideas would require enormous effort from all parties to get approved, but there is unique interest within the cannabis industry to take on the challenge, considering the potential to initiate broader change in packaging norms, within and outside the cannabis industry. Again, here's Marty Mache from EcoCycle.
4: As this industry is being born and coming up with solutions here in the state that other states as they start to legalize will be following, we here in Colorado could come up with a solution for the entire industry that others could follow suit and we could create something that really could also set a great example for other industries and other packagers. And if we can work together with the cannabis industry to find a reuse refill model that we could then share elsewhere would be amazing. And I think there's tons of potential for us to do that.
5: Confusion over what containers are best for the environment and the proper way to dispose of packaging is a problem that touches all industries, not just the cannabis industry. That confusion is felt at all levels from the consumer standing by the bins, all the way up to the product producer, and even at the recycling center. So maybe the message is this wild west of packaging, where every product is made out of who knows what, and recyclers scramble to take what they can, isn't working well for anyone, but certainly not the planet. And maybe, just maybe, the cannabis industry can lead the way to something better. For
0: KGNU, I'm Hanley Myers. One of the latest trends in the beauty industry is to keep the large volumes of waste that salons generate out of landfills. Looking good now means being sustainable, and a handful of companies are collecting the hard-to-recycle beauty items. But once they leave salons, they seem to disappear into a black hole, or rather, a green hole. Destination unknown. Should we care? KGNU's Frannie Halperin reports. Many of us book appointments to
8: get haircuts for different reasons. You need a trim, maybe your color is fading, or you might want a new look to get over a bad breakup. Time to make a change, do it in the hair salon. Get a brand new look and will be gone. A trip to your stylist can leave you feeling like a million bucks, but looking good has a heavy cost. Beauty salons generate a lot of waste, from coloring dyes to high water use, not to mention a lot of hair.
6: So every minute that we're on this conversation, there's about just shy of 800 pounds of uh, salon-specific kind of waste going into landfills. So that's, that's all the hair clippings, the foils, the color tubes, aerosol cans, paper, plastic, um, the residual chemicals left over in the bowl. You know, if you did the math, it's probably half a million pounds a day.
8: Shane Price is the founder of Green Circle Salons, a Canadian company that helps salons recycle waste with a goal of diverting 95% from landfills. It's a turnkey system where participating salons charge a small eco-fee to clients like a buck or two to cover the cost of shipping hard-to-recycle items to Green Circle for processing.
6: We have 16,000 plus what we call Waste Warriors, so salon professionals. Uh, that probably represents uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 plus salons. And so we've created a really cool and simple system. And I can tell you, I know the salons in in, in Boulder and in Colorado. They really embrace the program and they're huge champions. They're waste warriors right through and through.
8: One of those bolder waste warriors is Tara Spies, a senior stylist at Zinky Hair Salon, which has made protecting the environment a top priority of the business. Tara is so on board with the program, she calls herself a Green Circle Salon Ambassador.
3: They take pretty much anything that we can't recycle here and they're able to recycle that for us.
8: Tara takes me on a tour through the salon to show how Zinky has seamlessly integrated the program, starting with a stop at a wall with box upon box of hair dye in shades of blonde, red, and brown.
3: Yeah, it's interesting because you look at it and you say, oh, wow, it's a lot of colors. But then if you think about it, it's a lot of cardboard and metal and plastic.
8: Waste haulers in the city of Boulder take all the hair the salon generates as compost, but the rest goes to Green Circle.
3: They actually rinse out, they wash and um, recycle all of our color tubes along with the foils because, you know, when there's color in there, you can't just send it to a regular aluminum recycling center. (laughs) So
8: I I never knew how dye... came you know I, it's like i i just i don't know what i thought i didn't because I, I don't work in a salon so i had no idea what so they come in boxes and then there's tubes inside like mm-hmm. kind of like a tube of toothpaste yep and then the whole tube with the left toe, whatever remnants goes to green circle do you know exactly how what they do with it
3: i don't know exactly okay. what they do with it um yeah no worries yeah that's to me parts. recycling i'm like oh <laughs> that, that's what it is <laughs> um we've covered maybe one out of like six bins. So,
0: come with me.
8: In the break room, there are several receptacles. A first is marked City of Boulder Compost and takes not only the hair, but also food waste. There are three other bins for items to be sent to Green Circle, one of which is labeled Waste to Energy, where garbage is diverted from landfills to produce renewable energy.
3: Waste to Energy is for things like waxing strips, nail files, nail polish bottles, gloves, cotton swabs, cotton
8: wipes. It's also hard to miss in the break room that there are about a dozen mannequin heads that stylists use to practice on. Their stares are a bit unnerving, but Tara says they too can go to Green Circle. Believe it or not. Really? Yeah. They can recycle a mannequin head. Well, if you think about, look at all these mannequin heads. They gotta go somewhere. But where exactly does it all go? Take out the papers and the
7: trash. Are you don't get those no cash.
8: So what exactly happens to the hair color? What do they really do with the foils, plastic and aerosol cans? On Green Circle's website, it says it goes to recycling and chemical waste facilities, clean energy producers, biocomposite plastic producers, and more. So I asked Shane about speaking with one of their partners to follow the waste on its journey. But are there specific companies that you're working with that you're able to share, or is that um, proprietary?
6: It's a good question. <laughs> it's a great question, Franny. I don't know what's proprietary, um, and to be very honest. I don't know that I could name the company. I want to say if I was putting it out there, it's probably Covanta that we work with in um, in Canada. Covanta is the, the company, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, and in the US, uh, yeah, I'm not at liberty to say the company that we work with.
8: While Tara and salons aren't privy to where the waste goes, Green Circle does offer their members a green guarantee that they have thoroughly investigated all of their partners to ensure all the touch points of the waste journey are sustainably managed that green guarantee comes from a company called carbon trust and carbon
6: trust does an audit a full audit on our chain of custody of all of our waste and they either certify you as this is legitimately what happens i.e a hundred percent of the waste you take away does not go into landfill, and it follows the, the sort of processes that you describe, um, or you don't get that certification.
8: Back in the late 1980s, President Reagan used the phrase trust but verify in his discussions with Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev in negotiating a nuclear arms agreement.
1: We have listened to the wisdom of in an old Russian maxim. The maxim is dovey no provey trust, but verify.
8: (laughs) The idea was you take someone at their word, but you perform your due diligence. In that spirit, I contacted Carbon Trust to verify Green Circle certification, and they responded that they don't provide specifics about named clients or projects. As far as Covanta, the company Shane mentioned working with in Canada, I arranged an interview with its CEO, only to have it canceled the day before. A company representative wrote in an email that they could not directly connect Green Circle to their facilities, adding it might be a small amount that's a little hard to trace. There can be legit reasons for this. Green Circle might want to protect the research and development they've invested in from being snagged by competitors, one of which is a new company called Salon Cycle, which in an interview, also declined to disclose specifics about waste they collected. So is recycling an act of faith? Like Tara at Zinke's Salon, we dutifully sort our plastics and paper and put them in the proper bin. We just trust that it's not going into landfills, but who has the time or inclination to check? A popular TV advertisement airing in the late 1950s was for Miss Clairol. It promoted ladies' hair color and featured a pretty woman gazing in a mirror while a narrator ponders in a hushed tone. Does
7: she or doesn't she? Does she or doesn't she? Hair color by Miss Clairol looks so natural, only her hairdresser knows for sure.
8: The premise was that it's a secret if she were a natural blonde or true redhead, and frankly, none of our business. But in some ways, it's like the beauty waste programs. They look good on the outside and everyone, the salons, the clients, we all feel good believing it. We buy in because they're solving a big problem and we can look ourselves in the mirror for doing our part. But a question lingers. Is that beauty only skin deep? Only recyclers know for sure. In Boulder, Colorado, I'm Franny Halpern.
0: And that's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Alexis Kenyon you've been listening to some of our favorite stories in KGNU's Follow the Waste series. We will be back tomorrow with more of these stories. Stay tuned for A Public Affair. After that, it's Radio Book Club with KGNU's Maeve Conran. All that and more coming up, and happy Thanksgiving.